Hi, welcome back to the Trust of Governator show. Tonight we're going to be learning about humans and hybrids. Giant hybrids on Gaia. Make sure you get your own subscription. It's only 12 bucks a month. of that species of extent giants whose bone fell the mountains of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Again, that's Abraham Lincoln's quote. The eyes of that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. In the late summer of 1908, Collinsville, Illinois, near the Cahokia Mounds, construction workers accidentally unearthed a stone tomb that contained several giant bodies, each measuring over seven feet tall. Following this discovery, the bodies quickly disappeared, only to add more mystery to the idea that a large species of humans once inhabited the Americas. What is left of this mysterious mound complex still baffles archaeologists today. Cahokia was considered the largest city north of Mexico with a population between 25,000 and 50,000 in 1000 AD. This Native American civilization had an advanced system of waterways, agriculture, and textiles, and also many legends of what they referred to as the mound builders. Who were these mound builders? Could they be linked to the large bodies accidentally found in the ancient tomb? Is it possible that what they had stumbled upon possible? was the remains of a great culture that not only roamed the Americas, but also the world? Flash of Titans. Researcher Brad Olson suggests that these mounds themselves hold the key to these forgotten ancient beings. It is true that giants have been found in the mounds in the Midwest. There are several different cultures in the Midwest. It started basically in the state of Ohio. It started with the Adena culture, which then became the Hopewell, and then it became the larger Mississippian culture that encompasses the entire Mississippi Valley. There are over 2,000 pyramidal mounds in North America, including Mexico. When you look at North America, so you discover these mounds that the Indians or the Native Americans built to honor the dead giants that probably ruled over them in some way. In the North America, these mounds are built up from the earth itself in the shape of snakes and other various creatures, and some are just mounds. But the thing that's really interesting is when you look, look around the world, you also find they have something called dolmens. Dolmens are just these massive stones put together to let you know as a, as a marker that there's a giant buried here. There's somebody 
of royalty buried here. And so we've done the same thing here in the North Americas where they build this huge mound, which is very hard to do. So the, the thing that really binds them together is the fact that they're both these massive monuments to people that may have been very, very uh, spiritual to them in the ancient past. In my research, there's over 1,500 newspaper articles that all span from the early 1900s, late 1800s of non-stop discoveries of giant bones in mounds, some of them not in mounds. Some of them are giant bones that have Native American lineage, which is interesting because when you look at some of the writings of the earliest uh, explorers to North America and most of their journals, they describe the chiefs of each tribe as being a giant some of them 12 to 15 feet tall. And so here yet again, you're seeing this upper status being given to the people that have that genetic lineage. And when you look at that happening in North America, and then you look at the logs of the very first ship that landed on Easter Island, and what was the first thing they said? There was a race of giants there, and the race of giants were the priestly class of the Rapa Nui people and that they were overseeing the construction of those stone huts. That story right there, you can take that and place it in a hundred different areas all around the world and it's the exact same story. That's what's amazing about it. Another strange piece of evidence that might add credence to this mythology is that there are over 100 large human-looking mysterious footprints preserved in stone for thousands of years all over the world. Is this possible physical proof of these legends? For example, you have the Bible. Just started the Bible. In the beginning, the, the first book of Moses, two times some giants are mentioned. Everyone remembers the fight between David and Goliath. Goliath was a giant. This is a Bible story. The book of Eskimo, which is the mythology of the Eskimo, simply phrases at that time, the giants were living on earth. The same thing in Egypt. They are clearly talking in the so-called pyramid text that some of the gods were giants compared to humans. Giants are in mythology, actual living, practically in every ancient mythology. So why not in the United States? If this is true, how did all this evidence simply disappear? Across the last 200 years, many hundreds of oversized skeletons have been found in Native American mounds and also Native American cemeteries. Many of these skeletons were around seven to seven and a half feet tall. And they were discovered by archeologists associated with the Smithsonian Institution. And they were fully recorded. They were taken away. And there are many publications that exist today that you can read all about these discoveries. So what are these giants and what happened to them? Well, firstly, we can say that all of these bones have now gone. Unfortunately, even though many of them were in the Smithsonian, they were repatriated. The beginning of the 1990s as part of the NAGPRA law, the repatriation 
of Native American indigenous people's remains. Uh, so unfortunately, they've all gone from the museums and the institutions, so we can't look at them and study them today. But what we can do is look at these reports and glean information about what was going on. Is it possible that traces of their lineage can still be found today, but hidden within the very fabric of humanity? On February 22, 1918, only 25 miles from Collinsville, average Illinoisan couple Harold and Addie Wadlow gave birth to a child who grew to become the tallest man in the world. Standing at 8 feet and 11 inches, Robert Wadlow was a human anomaly until his death at the young age of 22. Wadlow's immense height and his continued growth until the day he died were due to what doctors say is hyperplasia of the pituitary gland, which resulted in abnormally high levels of human growth hormone in his body. But could this growth hormone be a hidden gene in all human DNA? It was determined that he suffered from what's called hyperplasia or pituitary gigantism. A gigantism is something that occurs in most species, but it's on a very, very minute, and you're talking about like 0.0007% of each population ends up having a case of gigantism. And Robert Wadlow could represent for us a very real example of the survival of the very genes that were causing the gigantism described by all of these different cultures. Do you have somebody who is exhibiting what looks like the same gene that some of these giants probably had in the same area where these mounds were constructed? Most of the doctors that saw him said that this could very well have just been a genetic trait. Can Robert Wadlow's giant stature simply be attributed to his overactive pituitary gland, or might there be a genetic connection? Geneticist William Brown suggests that this isn't just a wild connection. This could be humanly possible. Within the human genome, there's tucked away a vast reservoir of variations in gene codes that will result in very unique phenotypes. We have examples of that with dwarfism, giganticism. So we can see certain instances where gene segments in the DNA that are normally silenced or dormant are expressed in a different way and you get changes in the size of the human. So it is very possible that within that large region of the DNA that has dormant segments, that there are genes that are related to producing very large-sized humans. Since physical evidence does modern human DNA provide any support for an extinct species of humanoid that once inhabited this planet? And might this connection explain one of the tallest men in the world? When we ask ourselves a question about direct genetic evidence linking us to giants, 
uh, the giants of the past. To the best of my knowledge, that DNA evidence does not exist physically at this time. However, when we begin looking at the story of humankind, what we see is the stories of giants are pervasive, that they have been spoken about in ancient history and that we have found evidence of them in modern times. So the question is, are we related to these giants in some way? When we look at the narrative of our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions, there's a common theme that runs through all of them. And it's a fascinating theme for me because it says that humankind went through multiple iterations of an intentional process to lead us to the point where we are today. In other words, there were multiple attempts to find just the right genetic formula for the human body that we see today. And in fact, when we look at the Judeo-Christian traditions, what they're telling us is that there was a search for the right genetic formula to hold the power of the human spirit in physical form in this world. And as we went through the multiple iterations of the trial and error, there were forms of life that were created that simply were not sustainable throughout the eons of history. And among those forms of life, we certainly see reference to giants. We see references to the, the Elohim and the Nephilim in the oldest records of the Old Testament. In May of 2019, host of Open Minds, Regina Meredith, led a team of researchers with the help of Gaia to see if they could investigate a series of giant bones belonging to a man named Luigi Muscas on the island of Sardinia. In his book titled The Giants of Sardinia, he boasts pictures of very large human bones and DNA results done by the University of Padova in Italy. The remains tested showed an O blood type, RH negative. This is interesting because Sardinia is one of the few places in the world with the highest concentration of the RH negative O blood type today. Luigi believes this genetic lineage was the result of their ancestors of giant stature. If this is true, is it possible we can find more evidence of this DNA lineage throughout the ancient text? What will this reveal about the true history of humanity in relation to an ancient race of giants and possibly their interactions with Homo sapiens sapiens? When you look at a lot of the ancient texts, and I keep going back to them because they really do lay out the plan for us to understand the distant past, you discover that a race of advanced beings that came from space arrived in Mesopotamia, now modern-day Iraq, and also in the area of Africa, but then much later moved and migrated across the planet into North America. They were told to do this by one of their leaders. And in doing this, they also began to mate with other hominids and were giving birth to this very, very large, giant people. The book of Genesis talks about the time when the Elohim, the sons of God, came upon the daughters of men and that they gave birth to giants. And sometimes it was said that the, the women, that the babies were so large that they would be removed from the belly in what we would call today caesarean section, that they couldn't be given birth to under any normal circumstance, that they had to be removed 
artificially. Could these accounts of giants in religious texts add credence to the idea that we might share DNA with this lost species? Experts suggest that if this is true, there are accounts of many types of giants. Giants have been found around the world. In fact, there's extraordinary stories from China that most of us don't know here in the West. When explorers like Marco Polo begin going on the Silk Road all the way from the Mediterranean area to China in the 1500s and 1600s, they were completely amazed at what they found. They actually found 15 foot tall giants standing as guards at the Imperial Palace. So this is in the 1500s and 1600s. So if there, these are basically, you know, remnants of the Anunnaki that got left behind at 15 feet, you can't exactly hide, you kind of stand <laughs> out. So these are extraordinary stories about Imperial China that most of us know little about today. When you look into the other giants, the ones that were the wisdom keepers, the ones that had the knowledge from their ancestors, they had the information on how to build megalithic structures. They knew how to grow crops. They knew the celestial cycles. They knew multiple languages, and they also had the technology, according to the ancient texts, to travel around the planet. So this was an advanced race of beings. Some call them the Nephilim. Some call them the Anak in the modern-day religious texts like, text like the Bible. But these beings were very, very advanced and they were imparting that wisdom to human beings. I believe that the Anunnaki were giants according to ancient accounts. You can see them also in the cylinder scrolls that are in the British Museum, where you have the Anunnaki God sitting on a, a stool or a chair, and then the human beings that he's talking to are way smaller than him. And even though he's sitting down, his torso is much higher than the actual humans. Then when you go to ancient Egypt and look at some of the hieroglyphs in some of these temples, like the Temple of Dendera, for example, you start to see hieroglyphs of very, very large ancient Egyptians, but the people that they're talking to are extremely small, some just as high as a kneecap. Matthias Di Stefano, citing his knowledge from the past as having been remembered from many different lifetimes, incarnating as life forms on other worlds, tells his version of these giant races. In the stories that I remember from my grandfather in the Atlantean times, living in the River Nile, they used to say that there were species coming from the skies and populating the earth. The Aesir were the big people, maybe twice than, than us, that we call Anunnaki. And the Nemnir, the first one on the right here, were the giants that were a bit bigger than the Aesir, the Anunnaki, and they lived only in cold regions. We have to remember that most of the time that Nemnir were spread in the world, uh, it was during the glaciation. The last glaciation that happened along 200,000 years approximately and ended around 10,000 BC. And during all that time, the Nemnir were the rulers of the regions like Europe, Siberia, part of Middle East, and North America. Some of the Nemnir were very big, and most of them were redheads. These beings were the ones in control, but they were not like warriors, as I can say. The stories didn't say that they were 
fighting again against humans, but they were not friendly. They came here to record information in the ice, and they were living like ancient humans, like surviving in caves. They had not this civilization, they had not cities, and they lived uh, in small families, some of them just alone, or only three of them. They were not much population, and they were living in the northern parts, and most of the humans were so afraid of them, and would never go to the northern parts. And they like settled this idea of don't come to these regions to create boundaries. At the time when we uh, have no limits on Earth, like no countries, no borders, no passports, the only way you could say you should not go beyond this point is by fear. So this is why uh, some of the stories were used to create limits in the regions. For the stories I know, it's not that they ate humans, it's not that they killed people, but they created the idea of that so we wouldn't go to them. They didn't want to have connections with humanity because they came here to do their own stuff. In the other hand, the Aesir, the Anunnaki, were big for us, we, we could call them giants, but they did have a lot of connection with us. They even had relationships and, and sex and, and lived with us. Some of them loved us and they had sons and kids and some of the other ones were trying to control us like slaves. So there were a few of them, not many, also not many population because they came to this world surviving because their own world was dying. So they lived in some mountains, in in Middle East, in the Mediterranean Sea, but they were not much spread around the world. And practically they taught us everything that we know as humans. They were, they were the ones that gave us the fire. They were the ones that taught us about agriculture, about society, about religion. Even if most of them were bad for humans, they gave us everything that we are today. If there were two lineages of what we refer to as giants on this planet, is it possible they still exist today? either through our DNA, like Wadlo, or secluded in desolate areas. When I had the opportunity to lead groups into the highlands of central China and Tibet from the 1990s into the uh, mid-2000s, when we spent time with the monks and the nuns, they told us of giants that still live in the Himalayas, that live in the caves in the Himalayas, that are not easily accessible. They're very reclusive. They appear to have no spoken language as we know it today. We don't know how old they are, but they appear to still exist. And while we were there, we were shown the physical remains, skulls and arms from those beings that were found in the caves after they had passed. If an ancient civilization of giants once roamed the earth, why are stories of their existence reduced to the stuff of myth and legend? Could modern-day giants, like Robert Wadlow, simply be the product of an overactive pituitary gland? Or is it the result of a lineage within human DNA 
that can be traced back to these beings of immense stature. Reports of interactions between ancient people and giants can be traced back to most continents on Earth. So could these tales be referencing a now extinct race? With two distinct qualities attributed to giants, some savage barbarians, whilst others spiritually enlightened guides of humanity, what might we learn from our giant past? At the time that we were a civilization in Kim, in the northern part of Egypt, approximately 12,000 years ago, we thought about the giants like fathers and mothers of our civilization. We had many beings that came from the stars and taught us about stuff, but no one taught us about more about ourselves like them because they were also moved by emotions. The other beings like Arturians, like Syrians people, they wouldn't have emotion. They were only working with the information, the architecture. But the giants were like us. They, they also had these bad relationships with mom and dad. They also have these problems with the family and brothers. They wanted to kill themselves. They have depressions, they were happy, they celebrated, they wanted sex, they wanted to have a family. They, they shared so many things with us. And, and for our unconscious, the presence of the giants was like saying to us that gods and goddesses were like us. So that we could become like them, that we could also be greater. This was one of the ideas of creating gods after them, because they represented aspects that we didn't have, like the power of control of fire, the power of control of the air, the lightning, and all these things that they could do with their own process where the evolution took them to, to be. But when we saw that they had the same feelings, the same problems like us, made us believe that we could also have the same power, that we could also become that. And this is why we won the war against them. This is why the humans saw that we could be greater. And the image that we had from them was like the image that we wanted to become. We wanted to be like Poseidon, we wanted to be like Zeus. They were like the famous people of that time, the Hollywood stars of our period. So we wanted to be like them and they showed us in such a way that we could be like them. So I guess that the only thing that we could inherit from them in our present days was not what they did living in, in our world by uh, the civilization by the slaves and so on but the idea that it doesn't matter how big you are you have the same problems and it doesn't matter how small you are you can become greater could the existence of giants be embedded within human dna might we one day be able to unlock the strength the wisdom and the knowledge of our ancestors from within. Maybe. And is it possible that today there possible? are giants walking among us? Maybe.
even in our own backyard. Unlocking the mystery behind these giant beings of antiquity may lead humanity to learn more about ourselves and the world we live in. Right, well, thanks for listening, tuning in to Christopher Governator Show. Enjoyed this podcast, please. Give me five star review somehow. I don't even know how to do that. But anyway, um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for 5.3k listeners just on this podcast. That's awesome. Um, wear a mask in indoor public spaces and call Congress 202-224-3121 and demand insurrection charges for Mr. Trump and his minions and go sign my move on petition https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash 3ka1mmd thanks and bye